dealing with uh, putting off the old man. And uh, a good point was brought up to me. I may have misspoken. I don't want to misspeak, but it was, uh, listen, you not your sin. You know, Paul said, not I that sin, but sin that dwelleth in me. We're not our sin, but you make choices. You're either going to obey your flesh, you're going to obey the Spirit. I mean, you listen, God separates from what you do. Listen, I'm not a liar anymore. If I tell a lie, I'd be a Christian that told a lie. You understand? If I was to commit adultery this afternoon, I wouldn't be considered an adulterer. I'd be considered a preacher, a Christian that committed adultery. Listen, God separates me from my sin rightly divided. And so I just want you to understand that, that you're not your sin. Uh, God does, it's hard for the world to make distinction. And sometimes we can misspeak and make you think you are your sin, but you're not. You, your flesh will tell you it wants to do something, but you have a choice. Uh, one of the things that I like, I think it was Covey. Sometimes I mix up Covey and Maxwell. But he talked about there's a stimulus and response and, and how you respond to whatever happens to you. And there's a space in between it when something happens to you and you to be able to choose how you're going to respond to that situation, any given situation. And, uh, you know, that's where we train ourselves to react and be reactionary. Covey's first habit is be proactive versus reactive. We're reactive in nature. We're going to do, we're going to respond. We train ourselves to respond to any injuries in a certain way. And, uh, you know, we train our pets. I trained our dog. Uh, I know my kids might not believe that, but I helped train my dog in some ways to respond to me, and it's negative. It backfired on me, okay? But then I also trained, too, that if she's eating, and I reach my hand at that bowl, she ain't going to growl and try to take something away from me. She ain't going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I know people, they'll feed their dog. No, my dog ain't doing that to me. If I want to take something out of their mouth, I'm going to take it out without being bit, and they're going to learn that they're going to obey me on that. And uh, it just ain't going to happen. You know, Gabriel and Priscilla tried to take something away from her one time. She wanted to growl. It ain't happened to me. Priscilla may, you know, the dog may want to take something to Priscilla and climb under her bed and growl at her. It ain't doing that to me. I'm going to make sure that ain't, I'm not going to have my dog bite me. You understand? So I train its response to respect me. You know, he might not respect her, but uh, it's going to respect me. I ain't going to have a dog that's going to be like that. My dog wants to bite the hand that's feeding it. This hand ain't feeding it no more. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if any other hand will want to feed it after I'm done with it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we train. But our flesh, we we... We train responses and actions and we react and a lot of times we live our life in such a way that we really think the flesh is us and the flesh ain't us. And then we live in such a way that we separate ourselves from really realizing how much control the Holy Spirit has in our life and what we choose and not choose. Our choices ain't us. I mean, we do choose, but the, the flesh wants something. That's the flesh. And the Spirit wants something. That's the Spirit. And we have the opportunity to make the right decisions. I'm going to walk in the flesh, I'm going to walk in the spirit. And that's the thing is a lot of Christians want to give up their responsibility for their actions and blame it on the devil, blame it on the flesh, blame it on the world. And God says, you're responsible for your choices. Now, you may have outside uh, enticers to draw and push you into a situation, but you don't have to be pushed. You, you have a building governor. And you can govern and choose which, how, because you're going to be accountable. Why would God not make us accountable 
if we if we can't if we have no responsibility in it. We have responsibility for our actions, our attitudes, everything. We're going to give an account of it. And so we're, we are responsible. We do have stimulus from the outside. We don't have to listen to and obey. We have a power that moved in our life to be able to say no. He gave me power uh, that I can resist the compulsion of the flesh and the compulsion of the world. And that's what I'm trying to get to. We don't have to. God said put it off. I don't have to yield to the flesh. Amen. Somebody might say, I beg to differ with you. If your kidneys and bladder's full, you got to go, you got to obey the flesh. Well, <laughs> I mean, I understand that, but there's, you understand what I'm saying. Mark chapter number seven. Mark chapter number seven. The whole bottom line is we got to get to the heart of the issue, right? Verse uh, 16. If any man have ears to hear, then what? Let them hear. All you new Bibles want to eliminate that because they don't want you to obey the Spirit. He said, when he entered into his house, into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him? But because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out, into the drought, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and defile the man. Father, we love you. I ask you to bless now. Be thou magnified in Jesus' name. Amen. The things that defile is the things that are wrong and wicked because man's a sinner. Bible says over there, uh, if we walk in a light, as he is in a light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's a sin nature. I have a sin nature. Amen. And I'm a sinner because I have a sin nature because I was conceived in sin and born into sin. I have an Adamic nature that I need to be delivered from. Jesus Christ saved me. He circumcised my soul, a spiritual circumcision. He cut my soul and my flesh loose. Amen. So I got a dual nature. And then the Spirit of God came inside, joined with my spirit, right? According to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there's liberty. And he moved inside, and he spiritually circumcised me, and he took up residence in my heart. And now I hear voices. <laughs> I hear the Holy Ghost. I hear the devil. Amen. I hear my wife. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I hear the flesh. Amen. I hear voices. Amen. And they're all trying to lead me and tell me what I ought to do. I thought I had a conscience that talked to me, and I found out it was my wife. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Do not forget. <laughs> Amen. But listen, I got an old nature that cries out and it wants its way. And God separated me from that. God gave me power not to yield and respond to him. And he gave me the power and ability to respond to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, and to allow him to minister to me and succor me and comfort me and help me and guide me. I need his help. I need his protection. And he come inside and he gave me a new heart. 
But I still have an old nature, and this old nature is right here, this heart. I can't, I can't trust that. I can't yield it. Let's go to Jeremiah. I quoted it earlier, but Jeremiah 17. Listen, I got a brand new heart. And I have a wicked nature that I could yield to. Jeremiah 17. And uh, I don't want to yield to that thing. I don't want to listen to it. I'm trapped in it. I'm in a prison house. My flesh is a prison house. And I don't want to obey this thing. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and who can and desperately wicked. Who can what? No. Know it. Do you really know your own heart? Man don't know the depravity that he has in his heart. How low and how bad and how wicked he could really get. The best thing that you could do is sit back and say, You're right, Lord. I'm worse than I could even think, and I could do more than I even thought. And therefore, I plead <laughs> uh, help, <laughs> guilt. I need you to come in and govern me and guide me. And I can, I'm capable of doing anything. And I need your help and protection in my life to keep me from doing stupid things and harming my life, others around me, my family, my wife. Listen, I'm capable of anything. I take your side again. Yes, Lord, I can do anything. Please help me. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to yield to my flesh. I don't want to go that direction. I don't want to do wrong. Paul said, "Well, I would do good. Evil's present with me. I, I don't want to do wrong. Somehow I'm doing evil. How am I doing that? Because I yielded to the wrong guy. Listen to the wrong guy. He gets irritated, so I allow that to affect my response. Amen. I can allow somebody to get me mad. Well, how can I get? How can a dead man get mad? If I'm dead." How can anything anybody does to me get me angry? <laughs> if I'm dead, how can I allow anything anybody says to wound me? If I'm dead, how can negative in my life affect me? Like Richard Sandler said one time, he said, to be disappointed in self is to have believed in self. Woo! You know what the biggest thing is? God tries to do in a Christian's life. God wants a Christian to serve him. God wants a Christian to walk with him. God wants a, a Christian to allow God to work in his life. But God's got a process that he takes us through life to break down the flesh and show us that if anything's going to get accomplished, it can't be through the works and effects of the flesh. And men says, oh, I can do this, Lord. I can do this in the flesh. And God sits back and says, i got to break all that down and show you you can't do nothing in the flesh. And that he's got to do it through you. And it's a whole process. Our whole life is to break down the flesh and the will of the flesh and the will of man and show it that if anything's going to be accomplished, God's got to do it through us. And man, man empowers the flesh and enables the flesh. And a lot of times God's got to break that all down. My heart is desperately wicked. But I got a new nature. Amen. And the bottom line is, is I have to rely on the Spirit of God and his fruit in my life, love, joy, peace, all that stuff that comes from him. In a sense, I got two hearts. In a sense, I got a dual nature. I got to lean on the spirit and allow that to flow through me. And that's denying self. Well, that's tough, ain't it? Self-life, crucified. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. The self-life is the biggest damning soul thing in our life is the self. Self, self, self. You know what the opposite of self is? 
Look, no, look at, look at, I mean, the back, opposite, I mean, take, take self and spell it backwards. What? Flesh. You understand what I'm saying? And listen, that, we got to be careful about that self-life. And, uh, and, and that's where we have to die to ourself to allow God to live through us. And it's his life. That's, that's, that's the battle. That's the battleground. And the only thing that we can do to succeed is to submit ourselves to crucifixion. And God will have somebody. Did God crucify Christ? Technically, yes. He, he had him sentenced. But the, ultimately, uh, men had to do it. Somebody had to nail Christ to the cross. Somebody had to nail both his hands. Somebody had to nail, and God wound up using Roman soldiers to do it. He wound up using a Jewish nation to turn on him, to commit him over to the Romans. And the Romans had the execution done to Christ. So ultimately, somebody else had to crucify Christ. Well, for you to be crucified, somebody's got to nail you to the tree. And a lot of people try to nail their own feet, nail one hand, but then they got his other hand is free. You gotta, you gotta allow God to crucify you. You gotta submit to it. God, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. You know how many times I gotta sit back and say that in my life? The Lord Jesus Christ said, "Remove this cup from me, except I drink it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done." That's the way a Christian's gotta live his life. It's not my will, but His will. And your life is going to be constantly trying to be knocked off course, knocked off path, knocked out of joint, dis, uh, to get you to where your attitude's all affected by the winds and the circumstances of life. Peter steps out of the boat, begins to walk by faith. He begins to see the sea and the waves boisterous. He sees all that happening. He sees all the side effects that's around him. He gets his eyes off of Christ and he begins to sink. All the wind and the waves and all the distractions in life are all designed to get your eyes off of Christ. So you can sink and fail in your Christian life. Get to where you're walking not on the word, not on the water, but now you're walking after your own will. And that's what God wants us to do is get to where we're completely hopeless in the flesh. That the flesh cannot, you can't solve your problems. Amen. Your friends can't solve your problems. Your mom and daddy can't solve your problems. Your wife or husband can't solve your problems. That God is completely in control and that all your problems, all your issues of life flow from Him and everything in your life must be conducted and run through Him. And all thy ways what? Acknowledge Him. He'll direct it. Listen, I've sat and I've wept and I've cried and I've buried my face in tears and snot over and over and over again over this wicked flesh. And it's still no good. Been saved now 35 years, and this flesh I'm finding out is more wicked, more corrupt, more vile than I've ever even dreamed it could be. And the tendency is to still want to do something in the flesh. And God's got to break this thing down and break this thing down and break this thing down and break this thing down. Why? Because my heart's desperately wicked. My heart's vile. My desires are wrong. I got to yield myself to Him, not what I want. What you want. Not my will, but thine. I got to put off the fleshly desires and the things that this flesh wants. It's a battle. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can you know your own heart? You think you know it. You think you might know exactly what you want, what you need. I really don't know what I need. <laughs> I think I, if I go here, this I'll be all right here. And God said, no, you don't need that. And I said, well, I think if I stockpile for this over here, God said, no, you don't need to do that either. 
So what do I need to do? Trust me. That's tough, ain't it? When everything else is falling up around about you, and everybody else, even Christians, are doing the things that they think is right, and God says, don't follow after them, follow after me. That's a tough thing to do, especially when 500 brethren are going this way and you got to go against it. It's real easy to want to trust man. It's really want, easy to want to trust your own flesh. I can't do that. Listen, soul winning, we can learn a bunch of scriptures. We can learn a bunch of responses. We can learn a bunch of answers. But is that answer going to be from the Lord or something that you put in your bullets? Man-made bullets. Man-made answers. Right? Am I going to go knock on somebody's door and give them man-made answers and responses to his arguments and questions? Or am I going to give them the Scripture and let the Scripture solve the problem and the answers? Listen, I'm not arguing with a man's intellect when I'm witnessing it. I'm trying to reach his heart. I can sit back and get loaded with all kinds of great wisdom from mankind and all kinds of statements. But ultimately, what's that man need? Where's the trigger point in that man's heart to reach him? I got to be able to know what I got to say through the mind of the Spirit to say the right thing to get him guilty, to get him lost, to get him in a place where he wants to move toward God instead from God. And it's not always a pat answer. It's not just seven main verses and get him to pray a prayer at the end. You understand? I got to reach that man's heart. How do I get to him? You can't do it with intellect. You got to do it with the Spirit of God and the power of God and the Word of God. That's what reaches men. It's what cuts to the heart. It's what reads men's thoughts. There's verses of Scripture that may not be able to reach him, and you can give him 500 verses of Scripture, but God's got one that he wants quoted. You got to be able to follow the Spirit of God. You got to know what the mind of the Spirit is, be able to get where it needs to go to. And everybody's different, everybody's battling something different. And you got to be able to get there. I, how to get there? I don't know. When I walk on a man's door, I got no idea how I'm going to get there. God's got. I got to trust Him to lead me to get that man to Calvary. I understand it. I know the finish line. Amen. But how to get there all the time is not always wisdom, or I don't have that wisdom. I need God to lead me there. I'm listen. I know a bunch of men that are hyper soul winners, and uh, they just they just sit there and they just get people to pray prayers. And I don't see the fruit. They get a bunch of people to pray a prayer. I don't know how they get people to pray a prayer. These guys are professional salesmen. Amen. Amen. They'd, they'd sell ice to an Eskimo. I just... Look at verse 10. I, the Lord, search what? The heart. I try the reins. You ready for the hard part, the, the scary part? Even to give every man according to what? His ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You talk about scary? God's, God's in a, just picture the Lord on a, a horse. He's got your heart. And he pulls the reins trying to get you to go to the left. And you go, I'm going to the right. God said, that's bad for you. You need to go this direction. He goes, I'm going to the right, you understand? And God said, go. And he'll let go of the rain, let you wreck. Let you go over the cliff. Right? A man will reach for something and God will tug and say, no, you don't need that. And he goes, I want, I want it. Give it to me. And God said, I'll give it to you. You can have it. Let you get it. 
God tries men's hearts. He tries the reins. He pulls back. He lets go. He said, you want it? You can have it. See, that's the scary thing about God. There's young people who have been raised in church and he says, you want the world? Go get it. We seen a young man yesterday. His life's a wreck. Grandpa was one of the greatest preachers I ever heard in my life. Life's a mess. Living in his car with his wife that's six months pregnant. Ain't got nothing. Life's run. Knew the truth. Sat and heard some of the greatest preachers. Yeah, he had a bummer happen in his life. His daddy came to his wife one day and said, son, or told his three sons, he said, I don't love your mama no more, and walked out the door. His daddy left mama to fend for three little boys. Claimed to be a preacher boy, walked out, left her. He had his rock, world rocked. He had some things messed up. He heard the preaching. He had an opportunity to serve the flesh. God tugged on his heart. He said, I want the world. And God said, then go get a belly full of it. I heard him sing Christian songs in camp meetings and missions conferences, sing with his mommy, playing the piano, sing with his brothers. His brothers out there have been singing with a famous group forever. And his brother's living in a, in a car. Why? His heart wanted sin. Listen, God will give you what you want. He's been out there for over 16 years out in sin. You know what? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. <clears throat> you might not want to get a hold of what you want to get hold of. Amen? We know a man that sat right here. He chose sin, chose wickedness. God set him free. He, got, he was doing good for five or six months, and he just said, you know what? i got to get high. Somebody offered him dope. He said, yeah, i got to get high. The Bible's not enough. Somebody said, now he said, now i got to get drunk because it's cheaper. And so now it's, I can get legally get stoned. And you know what? He's He's trapped. You know why? He wanted sin. That's what's dangerous. See, God tries the heart. He knows what man wants. And he'll let him. Go ahead. Get it. And when he lets go of the reins and says, you crash, you're in control, you know more than the big God sitting on the throne in the sky, go ahead and wreck your life. And just remember, when you just want to ring that little bell, I'm not a bellhop just going to come and bail you out. And a lot of people think God ought to be standing on the front door and beckoning, just waiting there with bated breath for them to say the sinner's prayer. Oh, my God. God just wringing his hands in glory. Oh, will they just let me say, will they just say the sinner's prayer so I can leap off the throne in their heart? Hello? He ain't like that. He's a, he's a, he's a God, a Lord that needs to be feared. And he comes and he deals with man. And he says, this is what, and a man will sit back and fall under conviction and shun conviction and say, I want to go my way. What do you think God's obligated to come back and talk to him? I know he's not willing that he should perish. But he may just let somebody just go out there and 
taste sin and just say, go ahead, get it. Roll in your vomit. Roll in your shame. Spew for years. And people can't get out of it. And then he may walk by again and say, now, you ready to have a common sense conversation? Would you like me to free you from all this? Would you like me to come help you and set you free? Or do you still want to go on your way? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Lord. Uh, okay, go on. I'm telling you, see, that's the scary thing about God is God will give people what they want. And that's where we got to be careful. We don't walk after our flesh and our desires. And I say, Lord, I submit to you, God, I don't even know what to want. Lord, I just want the right things. Lord, you said to give me the desires of my heart. I just want the right desires. I want to think right, do right, go right, God. I don't know. Don't leave me to myself. Don't allow me to make my own decisions. God, help me. Do not leave me to my own heart. <laughs> Lord, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. God, I'll mess up. God, please, please. Oh, Lord, oh, don't leave me to my own devices. Please draw me with the cords of thy love. Please keep me close, Lord, please. Don't let me wander, Lord. Keep me near the cross. Oh, God, help. Listen, listen, there's a lot of Christians that's gone out and got saved and, and they gone out and sinned and messed up and then they had to come back to Calvary and they're at the foot of the cross crying, saying, Lord, please, 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 don't let me ever wander from the cross. Amen. My sufficiency is not of myself but of him. I can't live and breathe and move without him. I gotta have him. Don't leave me to my own devices. God help me. Man, those are classrooms. I don't like going to those classes. I think I know what I want. I think I know where I want to go. I think I think I can handle this thing. And God says, "You can't handle it. Just give it to me." And say, "Okay." Amen. I walk with you. I hold your hand. Amen. Please don't let me go my own way. My soul. He's telling us to put off all that junk. Put off all the flesh. Let us go to 1 Peter 4. I love the book of 1 Peter. And 2 Peter, 1 Peter 4. It's a book dealing with suffering. Christians are going to suffer. And uh, I, I, I need his help. Verse 1, 1 Peter 4, 1. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us, where? In the flesh, arm yourselves. Likewise with the same mind. God wants you to think like he's thinking. Arm yourself. Prepare your mind. Stockpile some spiritual Christian ammunition. Get your brain ready. Get to thinking like God thinks. Arm yourself. Prepare. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath what? Cease from sin. <laughs> he wants us to quit our sinning. Some Christians can't get a hold of that. And so therefore God brings trouble and problems and trials in their life to get them where they'll quit relying on self and doing what they want to do. You know what? You'll quit sinning. You get in a lot of pain. I don't know. You might take up cussing. I don't know. 
I tell you what, you suffer in the flesh, it eliminates a lot of problems. When we're full of vigor, we're full of strength, we're full of everything, we can go wherever we want to do, do what we ever want to do, no restraint. I'm the master of my own fate. I can just be whatever I want to be. And you start chopping that thing down, start breaking it, injuries, sports injuries, things like that. Listen, God, God knocks people, changes their course of life. Suffering will change you. Why? Why is this going to happen? Verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. <laughs> How are you going to live the rest of your time? That's what the whole thing's about, putting off the old man and putting on the new. What's it? There's a battle. Are you going to live the rest of your time for the will of man and the lust of the flesh or to the will of God? God's interested in how we're going to spend the rest of our time, the rest of our days. How are you going to spend your time? After the lust of the flesh or to the will of God? Whew. Suffering enters into our life to persuade us to not follow the flesh, but to do the will of God. I want to do the will of God. But I got all these golden carrots dangled out in front of me saying, chase me. This is what the world's going for. This is what you need. This is what you got to have. So I spend all my time chasing the worldly carrots. And what happens? I miss the will of God. What happens? I wind up getting ready to cross glory, cross Jordan and go into glory. And sit there with a life of regrets that I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done that. And the average church you go to, old people stand up and say, You young people, you don't need to waste your time following the things of the world. Serve God. I wish I had it. I wish I had it. I wish I had it. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be telling my kids, I wish I had I wish I had I wish I had I want to tell them, I did, I did, I did. And you can too. And you can go farther than I ever went. Amen. Listen, I, I'm glad I surrendered when I was 22 to preach the gospel. Amen. Fixing to be 31 years. I ain't got no regrets serving him. And I've given up a lot of things in my youth to serve him. Amen. And the flesh wants to show up every now and then. The flesh wants to distract me and draw me away. Amen. And I got to sit back and realize, hey, the flesh is pulling on me. I got to go back to God and run back to Him. Because that's what all that matters is the will of God. How are you going to spend the rest of your time? To the lust of the flesh? To the will of men and desire of men? Are you going to serve God? Verse 2, that He no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of man, but to the will of God. For a time past, see, it's something used to be of our life, may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, in lust, in excess of wine, reveling, and banqueting, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Where are you going to go? With the world's parties? with a Baptist fellowship. <laughs> hey, you understand? What party are you going to go to? 
People don't think this is a party coming to church and listening to the preaching, strengthening the inner man and helping the inner man. They think it's a waste of time. But I'm telling you, those abominable banquetings, those parties, and the flesh and the riots and the music and the confetti, that's all a waste of time. It's never a waste of time to be in the house of God unless it's a wrong house and it's a wrong place with a man preaching the wrong book. But if you got God's man preaching God's book, it's never wrong to sit down and take time to sit at Jesus' feet and hear the word. Verse 5, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. See, God brings you back to the end, the end of your life. When it's all over, the earth is gone, the heavens are gone, and it's just you and him, eyeball to eyeball. You got to give an account of all the resources you had, all the time you had, what you did in your body, what you thought in your mind, what you chased, what you despised, what you said, what you thought. It's all coming down. You're going to face the judge. You got to give an account. Hmm. So if I go there, I got to talk to him about that. Yeah? And you got to face the consequences, yeah? I just miss out go there. <laughs> I better not do that because I don't want to give an account. I, I, I just, I see the end result of that. And you know what? The end of that thing, that ain't no good. So I, I, ain't, I ain't doing that. Hello? Amen? I see the end result of fornication. I see the STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. I see the broken homes. I see the kids being raised without mom and daddy having to live on government checks. I see what booze and cigarettes and dope and lying and cheating and that lifestyle is all about. I see the homes. I see the lives that people pursued all that. I see the death and destruction of ruined lives. But then I see young couples that waited and submitted to God and they, they, they loved Jesus Christ and they prayed and sought for a mate and then they said we'll abstain and they abstain from fornication until they get married and I see the joy and the purity and the home and the love and the joy and the blessings and the good things in life I said I'll take that path I see the consequences of sin I said I'll take that path I see the consequences of drunkenness and booze and I see the path of somebody that'll just do right. I was raised in a home and seen the destruction of booze. I don't want no part of it. I don't want a casual beer. I don't want a casual sip of wine. You can have it. Well, we got liberty in Jesus to sip a little wine. I don't want it. I don't even want grape juice. Because wine, new wine and whoredom take away the heart. I don't want my heart taken away. Amen. I believe Isaiah. <laughs> Amen. Or Hosea. I believe Amen. Somebody said, well, you need to drink juice. I, I just can't get over that wine, new wine, and hoard them, take away the heart. I, I, so I don't care what they say about grape juice. I don't want it. Amen. He said, well, it'll help your heart. It, it, it'll, I don't think I, the Bible's steering me wrong, so I don't want grape juice. Amen. Hello. You said, well, you eat grapes. Yeah, I've had a grape. You didn't say nothing wrong with the grape. I'm just trying to tell you, I'm just protecting myself. I'm trying to follow what God says versus what man says. I want to do right. Amen. Amen. Look at what he says. 
Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Verse 6, for this cause was what? The gospel preached also to them that are dead. It's not talking about somebody that's in a grave. It's talking about those that are dead in trespass and sin. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh and live according to the God and the Spirit. Amen? But the end of all things is where? At hand. Be therefore what? And what? Watch on the prayer. And above all things, have charity. Amen? Listen, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Let's go to Titus. Titus chapter number 3. Titus chapter number 3. I want to put off all that junk. I want to learn from all that. I want to abstain from all that appearance of evil. I don't want to be around that stuff. Well, you know, I got cousins and people and I got to get around them and when they're jamming on their Satan music and they're all drinking and smoking and getting high, I got to go there because I was born into this family and because I was born into this family, I got to go over here and I got to wade through all this filth and corruption and pollution. I say, I, I just won't be there, amen? Amen. I can't, I can't wade to it. I had to get up and leave my sister's graduation party. I just said, I can't sit here. The Holy Ghost was just so grieved. I said, I got to go. Got me in a big argument. My family got back to the house, and they're all sitting there. That's the very reason I'm not a, I'm not a Baptist, because you Baptists are against everything. I said, good, amen. Praise God. Right? Well, Jesus even drank in it with sinners. Yeah, I said, I don't think Jesus was sipping Jack Daniels and booze and jamming on rock and roll when he was sitting at a Pharisee's house eating with them. Well, you know, you just you guys are all so negative. Well, one of the ladies over there was sitting there going, rah, 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 rah. about all her self-righteousness raised as a Methodist. I don't know if my conversation had not used, but one day she came to Jesus Christ, accepted and was born again. She truly repented. Amen. I don't know if my conversation and me drawing a line had any effect on it, but you know what? She came to Christ. Amen. You just never know when you're going to draw a line somewhere and who's watching and who may be barking, but God wound up saving that lady. <laughs> she loves the Lord now. She loves Jesus. I'm telling you, she lights up like a Christmas tree when she sees me. She didn't before. <laughs> she didn't like me. She didn't like, I mean, she liked me, but she didn't like who I stood for, but now she loves it. Titus chapter number 3. This is, this is some of my favorite scripture right here. Verse 1, put them in mind. Oh, my soul. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to stick something in your head. I'm supposed to make you think about something. Put them in mind to be what? Subject. Subject. Oh, my God. Listen, you got to obey somebody. you got to submit to them. Who? Principalities, powers, to obey who? You think I want to obey these local governments around here? I don't want to obey that. Listen, if they tell me something not to go contrary to the Word of God, I'm to obey them. But if they tell me to go contrary to the Word of God, I submit to the Word of God. Right? Hello? What did midwives do over there in Exodus? Pharaoh said, kill all the male babies. They feared God. They didn't kill the male babies. God blessed midwives for what? Disobeying the king of their land, Pharaoh. Amen. Sometimes it pays. Amen. To obey God rather than men. Listen, in the book of Acts, Peter and them got whipped and, and, and they got chastened 
for preaching and testifying about Jesus Christ. And they, they forbade him, said, don't speak in this name anymore. And they said, we can't help but preach and teach the things that God has told us. And they preached. They went out and disobeyed the magistrates because they told them to be quiet about Jesus. They tell me to be quiet about Jesus. I got to I got to say all I got to say. But if they want to come over here and say you need an exit sign here, you need a fire extinguisher here, okay, okay, okay. I understand. Yeah. You need this, you need it, okay. You need this, okay. Okay, I understand all that. But when they say you can't speak in the name of Jesus Christ, have a nice day. See you later. So what do you say to them then? Repent. <laughs> right? Amen. Right? They say you can't pray in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. Amen. These men don't want me to talk to your dear son and to you. And God, these reprobates need to get born again. Hello? You're going to get cart marshaled. Good. Sign me up. Well, you're going to lose your career. Good. God will give me another one. Put me in the ministry. Hello? You can't pass out literature. My preacher friend threw tracks in a trash can. Police told me can't pass out tracks. So he put them in a trash can. Next guy walked out and said, hey, bud, you saved? Police officer said, I said you can't do that. He said, no, you told me I couldn't pass out literature. You didn't tell me I couldn't talk to somebody about Jesus. Hello? <laughs> They're going to try to do everything they can. Well, you don't understand. i got to lose my job, and, and i got to provide for my life. you got to take care of yourself. you got to do right. Amen. Hello? Amen, amen, amen. To be subject to and obey magistrates, to be ready to do what? To every good work. To speak evil of who? Isn't that, isn't that a good thing? To be always, or to be no what? Oh, man, he took away our fun. Brother Caleb, he took away our fun. We're not allowed to just bang people up and knock them down. Listen, Peter Cartwright would knock people down. He'd knock them down. He'd mount them up. And he'd say, you beginning to feel the fear of God? <laughs> Amen. So how'd he get around that? He said he's an evangelist, not a pastor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes what? Foolish. Disobedient. Deceived. Serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Listen, that's what we used to be. God don't want us to be like that. God don't want us to practice that. God wants us to be different. He said, I want you to be different. I want people to recognize my touch, my power, my attributes in their life when they see you. A lot of that's attitude. A lot of that, amen. Listen, I, you may not think so, but I got an uncle that I, I butted heads with and had some issues with before I got saved. When I got saved, I went back up, and I was running from God. He was calling me to preach, and I went back up, and there was some family around there, and my Uncle Fred goes, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean, what happened to me? He said, you're different. I said, what do you mean different? He said, somebody knocked that chip off your shoulder. He, he's saying God do something to me. It affected my attitude, it affected my way of life. He knew somebody came in and did something in my life. Amen. That's what it's all about. We're to be different. We're, we're to peculiar people. But Christians today, and what everybody's trying to do is trying to make us all just like the world so the world feels comfortable around us. I don't want lost people to feel comfortable in church. 
I want them miserable. I want them under conviction. I want them squeezing the white knuckles on the pew. I want them to go home and be agitated and irritated. And I want the word, the message that I said to make them lose sleep. I want them to sweat. I want them to, when they pick up a cigarette, think about, man, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> Amen. I want them to be worried about drinking that beer. I want them to know that God doesn't want them in a place of ill repute. I don't want nobody to be comfortable in sin. And the last place a sinner ought to be comfortable is in the house of God. Right. It's not his father that we're preaching to. Amen. He's the child of the devil. I want them, to, when they come to the house of God, to know that the children of God are something different. They ought to know. They ought not cuss around us. They ought to know they ought not be comfortable in their sin around us. They ought to know. Amen. Listen, I'm different. Put off, put off, put off. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Can I give me one big divider? I was talking to a fellow yesterday. About, he wound up leaving his church over this issue right here. Verse 1. It is reported commonly that there's fornication among you. And such fornication is not named among the Gentiles. That one should have what? His father's wife. That's his stepmother. He's committing fornication with a stepmother. And you are puffed up and not rather mourned. See, they got a wrong attitude about this sin. They don't think there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, they're, they're enjoying <laughs> Look at that, man. Do you want me to tell you what that is, street language today? And you're puffed up, not rather mourned, and that he hath done this deed might be taken from, from among you, taken away from among you. Verse 3, For verily, as absent in the body, present in the spirit, I uh, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one on the Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. He didn't lose his salvation, but God said he's living like the devil, and he wants to serve the devil, so let him pay the devil's price, and let's just pray God to kill him. This act is so bad he needs to die. So he turns him over to the devil. Boy, that's pretty bold preaching, Paul. That's my brother. That's my cousin. That's one of my relatives. How dare you say something bad about my relatives? I'm leaving this church. You say something get negative against one of my children. Hello? How dare you preacher say something that affects my child? Yeah, my child might have done wrong, but how dare you say something about my child? Verse 6, your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaven at the whole lot? Purge out therefore the old leaven. That ye may be what? A new lump, as ye are unleavened, even as Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. Therefore, in view of that, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Company, companion. Right? We're having company come over tonight. You understand what the verse is talking about? Company. And he says, not to company with fornicators, 
Yet not altogether fornicators of this world, and with covetous and extortioners, with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. Listen, you're going to come across people all the time. You're going to work with fornicators, but you don't have to company with them. You don't have to invite them in the house. You don't have to fish in the same boat. You don't have to frequent the same places. You don't have to go along like, hey, it's okay for you to live in sin. For then you must needs go out of the world. Verse 11, but, I, but now I have written unto you not to, company, or not to keep company. If any man that is what? Called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one not to eat. For what, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves who? That wicked person. You need to be able to deal with somebody that's living in sin. So you need to quit it, you need to get it right, or you need to get out. Amen? And preachers want to coddle this stuff. Listen, I tried to work with some people. You know what? Working with them didn't help. They're gone. They're not here, are they? Why? Because I dealt with them over their sin. Well, preacher, we're going to lose a check. Then lose a check. You understand? My response now is, hey, go to justice peace. Let's get it taken care of. You serious about serving God? Go to justice peace. Get it taken care of. We'll have a reception later. Get out of this sin. Why sit back and try to coddle it for six months a year and ain't going to do nothing about it? You understand? Everybody wants to just shack up today. Well, God ain't into shacking up. The curse of our day, Phil Kidd preached on it, is all these unwed mothers in our churches. And people coddle over them unwed mothers and make over them unwed mothers. And then a young girl keeps herself pure and gets married and they don't make over that baby. But boy, they'll make over that little demon that was created in fornication. And according to the Bible, he's a little bastard baby because he he's illegitimate. But we'll make over that little thing. We'll put halo on him and we'll dress him all up. And nobody spanked that little rascal. Don't you know he don't have a daddy? <laughs> don't spank him. And that little demon will run around the church. I say dehorn him. Amen. amen. Hello? Amen? I'm not getting amens in this. What's Paul say? What'd he say? Put him away. Put who away? That wicked person. That wicked person. Amen. Preacher, you're cruel. You're mean. You'll never grow your church. Amen. Look, send him to the vineyard. <laughs> Hello? Amen. Amen. I tell you, or they can go to Gingsburg, you know. You say, well, that's why they pay good money up there. I'd rather be right with God. Amen. Amen. You said you're mean. No. They need to do right. They need to get, if they're not saved, get saved. If they're saved, they need to do right. Hello? Amen. If they're sinning, they got to get out of sinning. They got to get right. They got to get right with the Lord. Amen. They got to get right. Amen. What are we supposed to do? Put off the old man. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to put off the deeds of the old man. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to put off everybody that don't want to live right. I didn't say witness. I didn't say try to love them and win them to God. But God said, I don't want you walking with the filth of the wicked in this world and be buddies and companion with them. He doesn't want us to companion with those. He didn't say you couldn't witness. 
But I'm telling you, if you stand for Jesus Christ and you'll open up that book and you'll brag about Jesus Christ, they will leave you or they'll get saved. Amen? Amen? Hello? Just quote you a bunch of Bible. See what happens. Just brag on Jesus. See what happens. They'll say, man, I can't come around you anymore. That's all you ever talk about is Jesus. Well, that's all, that's all I got. And you know what? If they drive away, praise God. You didn't need that flea on your back anyways. Hello? Amen? Most people that your friends anyways want to, are bloodsuckers. They're out there trying to leech off you, get something out of you. That's mostly the world's friends. And if he's a real friend, and she's a real friend, and they care about you, and Jesus Christ means something to you, they might want to come find out why he means so much to you. They might come to church. They might get saved. You might have a saved brother in the Lord then. You can walk together in Christ, disciple one another, encourage one another, read the Bible. Amen? Listen. A companion of fools will be destroyed. You better be careful about the company that you keep. If they're not drawing you to Christ, you better be careful. Amen? Listen, there's, how come you get in bigger churches and they got a lot of people and you bring in a family that's got a bad kid and he go and find the worst kid in the church to be his buddy? How do how's, how they, how they find each other? You take 12 churches, send them down to a youth camp, and each church got one bad kid, and next thing you know, you got 12 kids in a circle in that youth camp. And they're sitting there encouraging one another, heckling and doing all kinds of things. They don't want to come to the elders. They don't want to repent. They don't want to do right. How come the worst kid in the camp don't go find the best kid in the camp and say, I want to hang around you because I want to improve my life? But somehow that kid that's spiritual that hits the altar and he wants to get right, somehow another kid wants to do right, somehow they yoke up. And they want to pray and they want to be spiritual and they want to be friends. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing how it happens? They bring in somebody bad. Bad people come in. They'll gravitate. It's a pretty amazing thing, ain't it? If a woman loves gossip, and a lady comes in that loves gossip, somehow they become the church gospelers. Uh, right? Amen? Same thing with men. Right? How, how can they pair up and yoke up? Well, our friends say a lot about us, don't they? The people we run with says a lot about us. <laughs> Amen? Right? Like begats like. Amen? I want, I want people that want God, love God. I want to be around people that love Jesus Christ. I want to brag on them, love them. And so therefore, people that don't want to go that direction, they don't, they don't stay around. Well, preacher, you're pushing them away. I don't have to, the light. They won't come to the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Brother Caleb, would you dismiss us in prayer, friend?